House of God here at Christian Outreach Centre here in Charters Towers. And you are all really very welcome. And uh, the title of my message tonight is The Fruits and Gifts of the Spirit. And uh, for many people who have had a Bible for a while and been believers, you would have heard about the fruits of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. And I believe this is a necessary teaching that releases believers in this end-time church with a dynamic ministry of signs and wonders following the preaching of the Word and also the character and the substance of Christ built in our lives to support that ministry. But I'd just ask you that if you'd allow me for a few moments to set the backdrop to this vital ongoing work of the Holy Spirit, which is available to every believer. And uh, we sometimes think it's for the frozen chosen, for the gifts of the Holy Spirit to work and operate in people's lives. But it's not. It's very, very plain in Scripture that it is to all believers that these gifts are made available to us. So before Jesus ascended into heaven, he made it abundantly clear that he would not leave us as orphans. He said that. And that he would be with us every step of the way and that he would never leave us nor, nor depart from us and that he would send the helper, the Holy Spirit. And so with that in mind, I just ask if you would go to John's Gospel and chapter 14. If you'd like to go that, and I'll begin to pray, just uh, uh, read through a couple of verses to set the scene here before I go into what are the fruits and the gifts of the Spirit. And so in verse 16, this is Jesus speaking, and it's after the Last Supper, and they're praying, and he's still continuing to teach that same night. And he says, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. And that word another there, it says, one besides me. Uh, that word meaning in the Greek is a, another of the same kind or one in addition to me. That's what Jesus is saying. One just like me. And this one, he will do in my absence what I would do if I were physically present with you. In verse 17, it says, it goes on to say, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. And verse 18, it says, I will not leave you orphans, and I will come to you. Great scriptures. I'll pick out a few choice scriptures in the next couple of chapters. Verse 26 of the same scripture says, and this is in written in red as well, but the helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring your remembrance all things that I said to you. In the following chapter and verse 26 again, but when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. The following chapter, verse, uh, chapter 16 and verse 13 this is Jesus continuing to speak, so it's a long discourse. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you in all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you of things to come. Exciting scriptures. I will not leave you orphans when I come to you. So Jesus promises to, his, to the disciples 
and to all believers in these verses over and over again. This is just in John's gospel, but all the other gospels are the same. He would never leave us nor forsake us, but would send the helper. And that word, the helper, in John 15, 26 and other places there, it means called to one side. So this helper is called to your side, and he's called to my side. It's what to do. And, and uh, it goes on to say that in, the, in the word well section that that word means to intercede, to comfort, to be a helper, to be an advocate, to be a counsellor. Technical, secular meaning of being an attorney or appearing in court on your behalf. That's that same helper that is with you and I. And that is more than, a, more than just somebody who comes alongside of us, but advocates or pleads our cause for us. And so in these verses, Jesus is reassuring the believers, that is you and I today, of his continued presence in these verses. Just in those few verses, you can draw from that, that the assurance of Jesus' continued presence through this help of the Holy Spirit. Help, he will also teach us. He will prompt you and help you to remember. That's what it says. So who needs a dummy board or a teleprompter when the Holy Spirit is with us? Amen? Hey, who needs a teleprompter? Joe Biden certainly needs one. But we don't need one, do we? Because we've got the Holy Spirit who comes alongside of us. And it says, he will testify of me. That's the Holy Spirit will testify of Jesus. He will guide you into all truth and speak of the authority of Jesus. Amen? And so he testifies not of himself, but of the whole of the Trinity. And so we go on to having given us the Great Commission. And we know that the Great Commission without the Holy Spirit, I call it the Great Omission. But with the power of the Holy Ghost, all things are possible to him who believes. Don't go out without that person. It's not just a power, it's a person. And so in Mark 16, 15, let's go to that quickly. Mark 16, 15. I will be going through a few different scriptures here because it's, it's great to have these scriptural backgrounds to what we're teaching here. And here it is Jesus speaking in the last chapter of the Gospel of Mark, which is an action, all action gospel. And Jesus is saying, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Amen? Amen. Verse 16. He who believes and baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And it says here, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out, it says in the King James Version, they'll cast out devils. I like the sound of that. That's pretty direct, isn't it? Sometimes we need a few devils cast out of us. Sometimes if you get angry at situation, it means you've got a devil that needs to get out of your life. Amen? It says, cast out demons in the New King James, a little bit more civilized. They will speak with new tongues. So it's nothing new there, nothing new there, nothing there that should surprise us. Or they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it's not saying that you go and drink something deadly on purpose, but if something while you're out there on the mission field should come, I've been out there on the mission field and drank water, had a shower in some, in some water, which was too... The water was too, too dangerous to sing in the shower. I mean, that's how dangerous the water was. But it says, And if you can drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. And they will ha lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. That's one of the promises there. I mean, And so the instruction they had uh, 
when Jesus said to go out into all the world and preach the gospel, that instruction they had previously received in Matthew 10, 8, that was different because Jesus wasn't going anywhere. Remember Jesus, and he sent off his disciples, and he sent them off two by two. <clears throat> and he said, uh, and I'm sending you out to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, to cast out devils. Again, once that there is, is the King James Version. Freely you have received, freely give. And so that was different because Jesus at that point in time in his ministry wasn't going anywhere. And so they just merrily went on their way and did those things. And they came back rejoicing that even the demons were subject to his name. But this time Jesus was no longer going to be there to come back to. And so the message to go out into all the world is to preach the gospel. They needed the reassurance that they received, say, in Matthew 28, 20 and in other places. Jesus says, and I am with you, or lo, I am with you to the end of the age or to the end of the world. So that's us. We're at the end of the age. But Jesus promised to us that the Holy Spirit would be, be beside us, would be with us. Was in, you don't need your dummy board. He's prompting you. He's causing you to remember things. Amen? That's what he's doing. So if you, I'd like now, in regard to the gifts now of the Spirit, so to go out into all the world and to preach the gospel, we need all the help we can get. So we've got the Holy Spirit, but God has also given us the gifts of the Spirit, which are also empowered by the Spirit. How good is this? So Jesus has not, he has fully resourced us, uh, resourced us for this great commission. So I'd like you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you've got your Bibles there, I'd love if you would bring your Bibles with you. And I'm going to be reading a couple of verses here. I'll read from verse 1 and I'll skip a few verses. And it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1, and this is Paul. I will be speaking only from Paul's writings uh, tonight. And so 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. So there you go. Ignorance is not bliss. God is saying, I want you to be informed about my spiritual gifts. And, and with all the gospel, God does not want people to just say, I've just got Jesus in my heart and I'm content with that and everybody else can preach to me. No, Jesus wants us to follow his word and learn and be prompted by the Holy Ghost ourselves. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Verse 4, very interesting. There are diversities of gifts but the same spirit. Verse 5, there are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but the same God who works in all. And so you see in verse 4, 5, and 6, there is the Trinity laid out for us. Amen? The Spirit, Lord, which is the Lord Jesus, and God. So there is this Trinity there laid out there in those few verses, 4, 5, and 6. Verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So who are the gifts for? The gifts are for you, but they're not, they are gifts are for you to operate in, but they are not to benefit you, but they are the benefit of the body of Christ. So the, the, if we have that in mind when we desire spiritual gifts, which we'll go on to later, it says to desire spiritual gifts, but what for? And it is for the benefit of others. You say, I want to heal the sick. Why? For the benefit of others. It's not a show. It's not a show. 
I want to heal the sick, raise the dead. I want to prophesy. I want to speak in tongues. I want to interpret tongues. But the motive must be for the benefit of the body and the edification and building up of the body of Christ. So here we get to the exciting bit. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. There's the first gift of the Holy Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. So there is two, two there. Now, number three, a knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. Now, that there is the gift of faith, not just the faith that is imparted to every believer. There is a gift of faith. And some people definitely have an amazing gift of faith to believe for just about anything and they see it come to pass. It is called the gift of faith. And to another, gifts of healing by the same spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. Verse 11, but one and the same spirit works in all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. As who wills? As the Holy Spirit wills. So it is the will of God that we all operate in these gifts. So as part of the promise to continue to be with us, God has resourced the church with spiritual gifts. This is a part of the Spirit of God being with us to the end of the age and empowering his church, amen, Amen. and uh, that we are not left as orphans and we are not unresourced in bringing the gospel to all the nations of the earth. So now concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be ignorant. So the Trinity represented there in those three verses desire spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, pursue love, which we know is the greatest gift. And so people say, oh, I've just got the love of Christ. I don't need all those other spiritual gifts. No, he says, have, uh, uh, desire, pursue love, work in love, but also desire spiritual gifts. Don't write it off. A lot of people, a lot of denominations write off these spiritual gifts. And to me, I see it as a cop-out because it's very, very plain in the Word of God. The motive and desire to operate in spiritual gifts is for the edification, building up of the church. And the gift is not ultimately for us, but it is for the body. It is for the church. It is for to edify and to lift up, to build your brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? So Paul goes on to say in verse 12 plainly, and he says, this is 1 Corinthians 14, 12. Even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, in other words, we should have even a zeal, a passionate desire to work in the gifts of God. I have found people who passionately desire something receive something. But why? what a great tragedy to have all these gifts and leave them all wrapped up sitting on the shelf when they're all available to us. Why wouldn't we, every single believer that comes to Christ, would not have a passionate desire? And the Bible speaks, Paul speaks, of being zealous for spiritual gifts. And then he goes on to say, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. So we seek to excel in spiritual gifts because we want to edify, we want to build the church. And as a great, you raise somebody from the dead, you'll get somebody's attention, amen? (laughs) You'll get somebody's attention. You'll get a whole crowd of people. 
You know, signs and wonders and miracles is a dinner bell to salvation. It is, isn't it? It's a dinner bell to salvation. So let's have a look at the nine gifts of the Spirit. It says the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues, and fruits of the Spirit. And so I remember uh, I was preparing a message. I used to do healing services at a church quite regularly there in Townsville on a Sunday night. And I recall preparing, uh, this was a week before a few notes, which is very rare for me. Normally I prepare my notes about three or four hours before the service. But that's what happened in that time. I was preparing some notes and I was waiting on God for a word of knowledge. Here it says a word of knowledge is a spiritual gift. I have found that people operate in several gifts, and if you're going to have a, a ministry of healing, normally you need a word of knowledge to go with it. Or if you have a word of knowledge about somebody's health issue, it is always very good then to have the ministry of healing to go along with it. And the Lord gave me a direct word one week before I did the meeting. He said, there will be a man at the service, the second Tail, uh, second bone from his tailbone will be disintegrated and need, needs healing. How is that for a word of knowledge? And as it was, I started the meeting, and I said before, because it was a healing type of meeting, and I used to preach faith and all those sorts of things, because you need faith to be operating. The gift of faith needs to be operating for that spiritual gift to, to manifest itself. And there, sure enough, was a man. He came to me directly after the service. He was too shy I opened up with the service. It was a miracle. It was a word from heaven. There is somebody here with a second bone from the tailbone disintegrated. There was only one man there. And he came to me after the service and he said, that was me. Can you pray for me now? I said, why didn't you respond when I asked? But it shows you that God works and gives you, and it is a word of knowledge. And the work also with it was the the healing or a miracle or the gift of miracles or the gift of healing working hand in hand. And so when the power or the anointing of God comes upon these spiritual gifts and signs, wonders will be evident. And so I'll quickly go to uh, Acts. If you're taking notes, write these down because they, in your own time, you'll see how they all absolutely dovetail together. And I have found when you begin to develop an understanding of these things, understanding will bring an aha moment, a penny drop moment, and then you go, yes, now I understand. To see with the eyes of the realm of the spirit, to understand and agree will open three valves that allows the power of God to flow through. Understanding is a keynote to seeing some of these things. And so in Acts chapter 1 and verse 4, and uh, this is Jesus speaking and uh, once again, the, almost the very final words before he ascended into heaven. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait from the promise of the Father. There's that promise again, which he has said, you have heard from me. Verse 5, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So this is not just an indwelling presence of the Spirit. But this is the power of God coming a person upon a person for ministry gifts. For ministry gifts to operate, you need the power of God. And that's what Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says. But you shall receive power. That word there in the Greek is dunamis. 
So you're talking about a dynamic, explosive power of God, not just an indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, but a power of God that comes upon your ministry gifts to see signs and wonders. And you shall go in, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, which is Australia, New Zealand, and the South Pacific Islands. Right until this period of time. Amen? It's fantastic. It is good news. You shall receive power. That's dunamis power. So that brings us now to, that was the gifts of the Spirit, but now let's have a look. And we notice there that there are nine uh, uh, gifts of the Spirit that are listed here. I'd like now to go to Galatians 5, 22 and 23, and you will notice here that there are five fruits of the Spirit. Isn't that interesting? So there are five uh, gifts of the Spirit, and now there are five fruits of the Spirit. And you think, well, what's the difference? And here it is, and we see in Galatians here, the book of Galatians, if put it in one word, is a book about liberty. Amen? If it was in two words, it would be bondage and liberty. Because the gospel sets people free from the bondages of wicked sin, of wickedness and sin, and sets them up in a life of liberty. But the wickedness and sin there, it says in, in verse uh, Galatians 5, and 20, the works, and they called the works of the flesh. And there's a great big list of all horrible sins which we never do. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath. Oh dear, help me Lord. Selfish ambitions, dissensions, her heresies, envies, murderers, drunkenness, revelries and the like. <coughs> I'll cut that short because it's quite morbid, isn't it? But it says, but the fruit of the Spirit. And we notice here, now there's nine fruits of the Spirit here listed specifically. And the first is love. And because it is the greatest of all the gifts and of all the fruits, love is the greatest of all. In addition to that, we've got love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such there is no law. So these are the nine fruits of the Spirit. And so, and you think, well, how does this work together? Why bring these two messages together of the fruits of the Spirit and, uh, and, and the other one here? Why, why the gifts of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit in the same message? And I'm going to go right now to an Old Testament obscure passage. And I believe it's going to bring a revelation to us. If you would mind going to Exodus 39 and reading from verses 24 to 26. Give me an hallelujah when you get there. So here we are. We're talking about the gifts of the Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit all wrapped up in one message. And so here we are reading from 24 in Exodus 39, 24. And we're talking about the priestly garments that the Old Testament priest wore when he worked in the tabernacle and also in Solomon's temple. And they said they made on the hem of the robe pomegranates. That's a fruit, you see, of blue, purple and scarlet and of fine woven linen. Verse 25, and they made bells of pure gold. Now, there's the gifts. 
You see, you got the fruit of the Spirit and you got the gifts of the Spirit all, all in a, a symbolic form on the bottom, on the tassels of the priest's garment. They made bells of pure gold and put the bells between the pomegranates on the hem of the robe all around between the pomegranates. Isn't this interesting? And a bell and a pomegranate, a bell and a pomegranate, all around the hem of the robe to minister in as the Lord had commanded Moses. Now we're speaking as a priestly ministry to people around us. Not only the gifts of the Spirit, but the fruits of the Spirit alternate between each. And, and it, brings to, uh, a, it brings to me this scripture very, very clearly in 1 Corinthians 13. And we know the love chapter, which is the greatest gift, is 1 Corinthians 13. But it goes on to say in verses 1 to 3, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. So can you see why you need the fruit of the Spirit operating between the gifts of the Spirit? Because otherwise you just got the gifts clanging together, making a whole lot of noise without the evidence of the character of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. For us to minister effectively the gifts of the Spirit, the power of God, we are like a clanging cymbal unless there is evidence in our life of the fruit of the Spirit, which is the absolute attribute of God. That is the absolute attribute of God. I'm not speaking very long tonight. And now abide faith, hope, and love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Let's go to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. These are exciting scriptures brought together in these little, this little teaching here today. Stand there, Fathers. This is Paul speaking again. I'm only speaking from Paul's writings tonight. Stand there, fast in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage, which is really the message of the book of Galatians. Verse 14, For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, which comes from when Jesus spoke this um, in Matthew 22, coming from Deuteronomy chapter 6. And he goes on to say in verse 16, I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Galatians 5, 23, we have the fruit of the spirit. And so moving on to there now, so... It brings us into how do we increase this fruit of the Spirit. For the gifts of the Spirit, all those dynamic things to operate in our lives, which are for the benefit of the body, we need to have the fruit of the Spirit in our life, which introduces us to two things, which is a work of the flesh and a work of the Spirit. For, and so to increase, there's two things that can operate in our life, that is the flesh and the spirit. How do they, how are we dominated? And what you sow, and, and uh, Galatians 6 now, verse 7, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit 
will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. You see, he is sowing and reaping here. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. They're exciting scriptures, amazing scriptures. When it boils down to it, we want the gifts of the Spirit. We want the supernatural. We want to see signs and wonders uh, following the preaching of the Word here in this church. This is a Pentecostal church. We believe in signs and wonders and miracles. Well, that's what we believe in. But for them to, we have seen, we have seen uh, miracle ministries before, and sometimes they are repulsive when they do not have the authenticity of the fruit of the Spirit in the minister's life or the ministry's life or the church's life. It's okay being a church that demonstrates signs and wonders and miracles as long as there is a character to support the gift. Amen? It's vital and it's vital in our day. In this end time, in this end time church, the full power of God will, will be restored to it beyond what we have seen in the book of Acts. Beyond, far, far beyond that what was occurred in the land of Israel in Jesus' ministry. But this supernatural ministry will occur all over the earth through all the church, through all the church. But the world will be convinced when they see the substance and the character and the fruit of the Spirit supporting the gift of the Spirit. Amen? And so the two work hand in hand. I can only preach this supernatural ministry if I have the authenticity and the motivation of love in my own life. Otherwise, I too will be a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. We need the pomegranates between the other to stop the things clanging together. I believe in the supernatural ministry of the Pentecostal church. It's been around for more than nearly, 100, nearly 120 years. It's been nearly 140 or 150 years since the, even the ministry of Mariah Woodworth Edda. Edda. So the gifts of the Spirit, 1 Corinthians. Um, so uh, Galatians 6, 7 and 9. So do not be deceived, God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. So it's almost, I've always described it, what works in your life, in your spiritual life? Will the flesh man win out or will your spiritual man rise up above your flesh man? And really the answer is simple. The man, the spirit man or the flesh man that wins is the one that you feed. If you feed your spirit, your spirit man, you may have to deprive the flesh through prayer and fasting, worshipping and all those sort of things. There are seasons in fasting in my own life where I didn't eat more than that I ate, hundreds of days a year. But I needed to crucify that flesh man because it was a dominant thing ruling and reigning in my life and I wanted to be a spirit-filled man. There is a, a command in Ephesians 5.18 and I think I will finish on that. Galatians, Ephesians. Let's go to Galatians 5.18 and I will finish on that. So we've got the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians. We've got the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22-23. 
And now we were called to be filled with the Spirit, and it's a command. Galatians 5.18, and Paul says, And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation. I always think, what's dissipation? And I think anything that sounds like constipation can't be good. Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, amen? To be filled with the Holy Ghost. You can choose to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And why does he he choose that analogy, to be drunk with wine? And I've used this before, to be drunk with wine, uh, uh, wine will affect the way you think. Wine will affect the way you walk. Wine will affect the way you talk. Wine will affect the way you remember. Wine eventually will affect your intellect. It affects every avenue of your life and all of your faculties. But so too can when you are filled with the Spirit. When you are filled with the Spirit... And you can choose to sow because he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And so when you sow to the Spirit, it will affect the way you think. It will affect the way you walk. It will affect the way you talk. It will affect your intellect. It will affect your memory. It affects your relationships. It affects your work habits. It affects your home life. It affects your, your, whether you're a husband or a wife, whether you're a child. It affects every avenue of your life when you're filled with the Spirit. But the ongoing effect is now those gifts of the Spirit which you desire earnestly will have the character and the backbone to support the gift of God in you. The greatest downfall of Hollywood, there is no shortage of gifts, but there is an absolute shortage of character to support the gifts on those people. They are definitely gifted. They can sing, they can dance, they can tell jokes, they can do movies, they can do all those things, but very, very few of them have the character or the gifts the, uh, the, uh, the fruit of the Spirit working and operating in their life to be of benefit to anybody. Some actors on TV or in movies, when you know of their personal lives, I feel repulsed in enjoying their movies. Amen? Because you know a little bit more about them, even though they're gifted, they're entertaining. When we find out the substance behind it or lack of substance... And so it undermines our gospel efforts when we don't have the fruit of the Spirit operating in our life. So the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit work hand in hand. I pray that you got something out of that tonight as just Jules comes and closes. So there, my brothers and sisters in Christ, is the pattern for successful, powerful and enduring ministry in this end-time church. Father, in the name of Jesus... I bring these people before your throne of grace. I bring the people, Lord, listening online before your throne of grace. I pray, Lord, that we zealously and with great desire, uh, Lord, earnestly pursue spiritual gifts for the edification and building, Lord God, of the church, but also that the fruit of the Spirit would be evident in our lives and that we would not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but we would be filled with the Spirit, Lord. And Father, that we would have the character of God to support the giftings of God. And Father, this end-time church will successfully plunder hell to populate heaven. grace that taught my heart
such amazing grace and we stand in your grace home to Jesus I surrender home to him I freely I will ever love and trust him
Lord, we surrender all to you. Lord, because how much you love us, Lord. We love you because you first loved us.